Over the last several weeks, we've talked to several Christian professors who have helped us to define politics and to learn to navigate the political world as followers of Jesus. We care about politics because we care about our neighbor. We want to make sure that our neighbor has everything that they need to survive and to thrive in this world. But we also remember the ultimate truth about politics, and that is Jesus is king, and that every governing authority will answer to God for how they govern. As Christians, as followers of Jesus, we have to remember that our ultimate citizenship is not in this country or in any country. Our ultimate citizenship is in the kingdom of heaven. But as we live and sojourn in this country, we want to make sure that we do as much good in word and deed as we possibly can. That's why over the next couple of weeks, we're gonna talk to a couple of men who are Christians, who are ministers and who are also elected officials. Tonight's special guest is Brother Shelton Gibbs IV, who is judge-elect from Kaufman County. And he's gonna to talk to us about how we can be bridge builders and peacemakers in our divided culture. I know that you will be as blessed by this conversation as I was. Well, Brother Gibbs, I just wanna, first of all, thank you for being part of this conversation. I'm incredibly excited to hear your story and to allow the congregation here at McDermott Road to hear your story. So I just wanna start there and just, I would love for you to share with us your, your role and your life in both ministry and public service and how your faith has, has shaped you and, and motivated you in your life of public service. Brother West, uh... I guess, first of all, I'd like to just say thank you for doing this and uh, creating this forum by which we can have this conversation. Uh, I'm not sure if it was recorded or our pre-conversation, but this is uh, very important to me and to be able to have this conversation with a man of God such as yourself, who is uh, doing your best to uh, equip the saints of the church uh, with real life and practical uh, biblical advice. So a little bit about me, um, I, I am, many may not know, but I'm Shelton Tony Wesley Gibbs IV. Uh, my dad uh, is a minister. My granddad was a minister and my great granddad was a minister. So in many respects, uh, growing up, I kind of felt intimidated uh, and I kind of felt the expectation and maybe even a little bit of a comparison, even though I was very young, um, uh, us having the same name and, and them being uh, very great men in the church, and they spoke throughout the U.S., I would always be asked if I was going to preach. So I think um, that professionally, my decision to become an attorney comes from that. It comes out of me not want, wanting the direct comparison um, with them. And so a guy by the name of Houston Smith came and spoke to my class during the sixth grade. He was a local attorney, very impressive man, and I kind of saw my escape from the direct comparison. And it was my life's goal to become an attorney after that. And the rest is kind of history. So uh, that, that's, that's kind of my story in terms of uh, that. I went to SMU Law School. Well, I went to ACU first. Actually, I went to Southwestern first. Then I went to ACU. Then I went to SMU Law School and graduated. And uh, my first real job was with the DA's office in Kaufman County which is where I've been for 14 years now. So um, that's kind of my professional um, story. And then uh, I guess in the last six months, I've, I've, I've run for judge, district judge in Kaufman County. 
and was recently elected, uh, or I've, uh, I, I won the nomination for the Republican Party, and I don't have an opponent, so I will be sworn in uh, in January. Well, that was fantastic. a lot, I know. Yeah, well, congratulations <laughs> on that. I, I, that's fantastic. And so, you know, obviously, and we've talked about this, we spoke on the phone a couple of weeks ago, and one of the phrases that you used was bridge building. And obviously, we live in an incredibly polarized, divided culture. So I would love to hear some of the ways that you've striven to be a bridge builder in, in this divided culture that we're in. Okay. Well, um, I, I, would, I would first of all say that it saddens me, uh, the state of, of our country right now, and just the uh, tribalism that I see and the identity politics that I see a lot of politicians taking advantage of. And, uh, you know, it seems to me that people see themselves more as black or white or um, female or male, uh, gay or straight, um, and not as much as, as children of God in the church. And I think that, that uh, it's just unfortunate that in the news media and otherwise, we see that plastered uh, every time we turn on uh, any news station or social media, uh, and a lot of it is is inconsistent with our faith and is inconsistent with what we even see in our own, in, in our own neighborhoods and in our own churches. Uh, to a large degree, what I see where I work are people getting along. And uh, we identify as prosecutors or we identify as church members and not along racial lines, but because there's such a focus on social media and such a focus on uh, these other platforms um, you know, especially when we think about politics, people are really uh, almost trapped in, 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 in these identifications and these labels and in the skin that we live in and, and the things that we uh, associate with. And so uh, that's not the question. The question was, uh, in what ways am I uh, attempting to build bridges? And I would just say that the biggest thing I think is to share God's vision of 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 humanity through Christ Jesus and and that is to see ourselves as Christians first and i think to the extent that we're able to do that in Christ the middle wall of partition is broken down we're no longer Jews or gentiles uh we we are children of god and to the extent that becomes first and foremost then uh some some of the differences kind of fade away and uh and and and, and that has been um an experience that I think um, has really been helpful in building a bridge because we do identify uh, at least at some level as, uh, as human beings when we're able to be vulnerable the way that Jesus Christ was. So if, 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 uh, if an African-American gets mad at me because of a position that I take as a conservative, um, then when I am able to humble myself to the point that I'm not more interested in giving my defense of my position, but uh, giving an ear to listen um, and, and, and see that person and their perspective, then that, that goes a long way uh, in bridge building. Same, same thing. I can disagree with you, but I can still respect you um, as a child of God and as a human if you're not a member of Christ's church. And I think that 
to a large degree, we have made the mistake of not hearing each other and seeing each other and screaming past each other. And I think as Christians, we really have an opportunity to um, listen and to see and to minister to where people are. And, 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 and let me say this, Wes, because I know that this is a very long-winded answer, but I think in this day and time, we have such an opportunity to, um, to be more effective than we do in, in less turbulent times because the opportunities are everywhere. The opportunity to, to, um, to be uh, on this platform with you as an African-American and a, and a white American, uh, to, to, to respond to people's um, aggressiveness with humility and kindness and uh, graciousness. Um, that's, that's not what's expected. And so to be able to really show the difference between a carnal mindset versus a spiritual mindset, which is what we find in Christ, the opportunities are everywhere if we would just take them. That's incredibly helpful. And I, I love the way that you framed that. My next question, and you, you may have, you know, covered everything that you want to say on that, is what advice would you have for people to be peacemakers and bridge builders? But you've, you've covered so much of that already. Um, but I love the way that you've framed this divided culture that we're in, in a positive, optimistic way to say, even though, and especially though we're in a divided culture, it gives us all the more opportunity to shine the light of the gospel and to bring people together rather than furthering the divide. So, but if you have anything to add to that, what else might you add to, um, to encourage brothers and sisters as they engage in these kind of conversations? Because we all have different things that we're passionate about and we want to see the world be as, as good as it can be. And we want to maybe Im impact change for good. Uh, but there's going to be people that inevitably disagree with us, and there's going to be those those moments of tension and disagreement. Uh, what what advice, in addition to all the great advice you've already given, would you have for people uh, to be peacemakers and bridge builders in this culture? I would just just add to that, Wes, and 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 I, and I know that we can have this conversation all day because I can tell that you're very passionate about the topic, and I am too. Um, is that it's more important. It's less important, let me frame it this way. It's less important um, what we do, even what we say is less important than who we are, right? Because there, there, there is a spirit from which people experience you in a way that is, um, that is nonverbal. You know, who you are comes through in ways that what you say does not come through. And, and, and if who you are is the right person, what you say is gonna come forth in the right way as well. And so I would say as a prosecutor, you know, um, I wear the hat of a prosecutor when I'm in the courtroom. Uh, when I take the bench as a judge, I will wear the hat of a judge, but I'm not a judge, I'm not a prosecutor. You know what I mean? And I see so many people who get lost in what they do, you know? And um, instead of being lost in who we are, so who we are, we are children of God, which means that faith is what dictates and directs uh, what we do and why we do it, the why we do, and um, the, the, the place from which we do, the heart of God. If that is the focus, 
then uh, we see people and we hear people and we minister to people the way that God would have us to. But I think that in America, uh, we have, um, you know, it's a very identity driven culture that we live in. And it's a very uh, individualistic culture that we live in, which is good. You know, this is the best country that anyone can live in because of the freedoms and the way that we are able to direct our own lives and our families' lives. But we can't get lost in trying to promote who we are as an individual that we forget whose we are. And whose we are is Christ. And Christ says, he said, if you're going to follow me, there's certain things that you have to do. You have to deny yourself. Now, what does that mean? That means that Christ's agenda is greater than Shelton's agenda. There's so many things that I'd like to do, so many um you know, thoughts that I have that are not consistent with God's will. So, so God's will has to be greater than my will. And I'll tell you this, I think about um, Matthew 5, and I, I probably beginning at 40 something, I'm sorry, you can find it yourself. But when God tells us how to deal with our enemies, he says that we should love them, right? He says, if somebody talks about you or uh, abuses you in some way. He says, do good to them. He says, pray for them. One thing that we're not doing, Wes, is praying for our, our enemies, whether they're real enemies or perceived enemies, or they differ in the way that they view life. We need to pray for our enemies. And, and two things that happens when we pray for our, our enemies. I don't know if I'm going overboard, but I'm, I'm a preacher. So excuse me, uh, You're great, man. is that number one, we see God's will, right? Like I approach you. If you upset me, I approach you from the standpoint of he didn't do what I thought he should do, or he offended me, or he offended my ego in a certain way. But the truth is, it's less about how I feel and more about what God's will is for us. So when I pray for my enemies, or if I pray for someone that offends me, immediately I get to see what's, what, what God's will is in that situation. And then the second thing that prayer does, it helps me to see myself. So the, the one thing I know about prayer is I can't come to God if I have evil in my heart or uh, negative or bitterness or, uh, you know, all of those negative um, ills that we have in our hearts. And so God exposes that. And God says, look, I know that you're upset with your brother, but you have some things that you should work on too, Shelton. And, uh, and then I like the fact that Jesus makes peace. You know, Jesus, Jesus made peace. You know, there's a difference be between being a peacemaker and making peace. You know, how did he make peace? He made peace by sacrificing his will, right? So if we have a disagreement and I'd like to have it my way, I make peace by sacrificing what I want and giving you what you want. He made peace and then he calls us to make peace. Yeah. Oh, amen. Thank you, brother. I, I can't tell you how much I appreciate um, that perspective. I can't, I can't tell you how much I appreciate uh, what you're doing for your community, for the church, and I appreciate you, you making the time to, to be part of this conversation. Well, I really appreciate you for uh, hosting me and, 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 and being so gracious with your time. And so it has been a great conversation, and God bless you, and God bless the church where you minister. I hope that you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. I, I really want to go back over and, and re-emphasize some of the things that Brother Gibbs talked about. 
I, I love the fact that he talked about that we must see ourselves as Christians first. He spent so much time talking about identity, and that is such an important conversation that you are more than your profession. You are more than your nationality. You are more than your political affiliation. You're more than your skin color. You're more than your gender. Above everything, as followers of Jesus, Christian is our identity. We have to identify first and foremost as Christians, and that has to shape and mold everything that we do. I love the fact that he talked about seeing people and listening to people. I love this phrase. He said that you have to, we have to, as Christians, respond to people's aggressiveness with humility, kindness, and graciousness. That's everything we've been talking about in this series of lessons. If we're going to engage in political discussions, if we're gonna talk about what's best for our neighbor, if we're gonna talk about, as Jeremiah did, seeking the welfare of our city, seeking the welfare of our community, then we have to understand that there's going to be disagreement, there's going to be division, there's going to be animosity, there's going to be polarization, and there's going to be people that are aggressive and that are unkind, that are mean and cruel and evil even in the world. And as followers of Jesus, we have to resist the urge of fighting fire with fire. We have to resist the urge of meeting their aggression with aggression of our own. We have to, as again, as Brother Gibbs said, we have to respond to their aggressiveness with humility, kindness, and graciousness. I love the fact that he talked about having a spiritual rather than a carnal mindset. And I especially loved his emphasis on making peace by following the example of Jesus, by sacrificing our own will. And then he made mention of Matthew chapter five, and that's the text I want us to look at tonight and just consider for a few minutes before we close, if we're going to be peacemakers and bridge builders in the world, then we have to listen to our King. We have to listen to our King. We have to obey King Jesus as he lays out, this is what kingdom citizenship looks like. Here's what kingdom citizenship looks like. Let's look at Matthew chapter 5 and let's start in verse 38. Jesus says, you've heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Now, of course, we know that the law of Moses commanded an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. And, and we might look at that and think that that justifies retribution, that that's a law that says if somebody does something to you, then you're justified in getting even. But really, it's about limiting retribution. It's about limiting the punishment to the crime, that the punishment has to fit the crime. Because human nature is to not only to, to get retribution, but to take it up a step. If somebody takes our eye, we want to take their head. If someone kills our brother, we want to burn their village to the ground. That's human nature. Human nature is to not only get even with somebody, it's to take it to the next level. And so the law of Moses gives this command in order to limit retribution, to say that when a judge rules on a crime, that the, the punishment has to fit the crime, that it cannot exceed the crime. Because it is, it is human nature to escalate the situation, to take things to the next level. But our Messiah, our King, 
gives us a, a, another way, a different way. And I, I want us to, as we continue to think about this passage, to think about how radical this would be for Jesus' first century audience. Because I, I can't help but imagine that so many people of Jesus' day wanted the Messiah to come, wanted the King to come to get even with the Romans, to get even with everyone who had taken their eye, who had taken their tooth, who had taken their land, who had taken their money, who had taken their freedom, who had taken their liberty, and to get even with them and give them what was coming. It's the human way. It is our natural inclination to want to get even. And so you would expect the Messiah to show up and to say, okay, now it's time for everybody to get what's coming to them. But here's what he says in verse 39. But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Give to the one who begs from you and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. Again, as Brother Gibbs said tonight, respond to people's aggressiveness with humility, kindness, and graciousness. Or as we like to say around here, retaliate with love. Give gifts to people who want to take from you. It is the natural inclination when somebody wants to take what's yours, when somebody wants to mistreat you, to get even with them and to retaliate, to, as we say, fight fire with fire. But Jesus says, no, when you do that, when, when, you, when you just retaliate, when you meet their aggressiveness with aggressiveness of your own, then you only exacerbate the problem. When you retaliate in kind, do, do we not understand that when we retaliate in kind, we only prove people's worst suspicions about us? People oppose us, people want to fight against us, people want to stop us from accomplishing what we want to accomplish, and they have fears about us, they have assumptions about us, they think certain things about us. And when we retaliate in kind, we only prove their worst suspicions about us. What Jesus really tells his followers to do is to surprise your enemies with kindness surprise your enemies with kindness. Your enemies expect for you to treat them the way they're treating you. But Jesus calls his followers to respond very differently. And imagine what would happen if we apply this to the political realm. Imagine what would happen if we apply these principles to the way we interact in the world, to the way we interact with people who disagree with us, the way we interact with people who differ with us, people who think that our way of living or our agenda is, is wrong and harmful and people who want to stop you from doing what you want to do, what you want to do or accomplish what you want to accomplish. What if you surprised them with kindness and generosity and graciousness and love? Look at what he says in verse 43. He says, you've heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your father who's in heaven for he makes his son rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and the unjust. We have a tendency, don't we? We have a tendency to minimize the opposition that other people face. 
We, we tend to think when somebody says that, that they're facing opposition, that they're being persecuted, that they're being oppressed, we have this tendency to say, oh, you're not really being oppressed. You're not really facing any opposition. You're not really being persecuted. You have a victim mentality. We have this tendency to minimize the opposition that other people face while at the same time maximizing the opposition that we face. We say, oh no, no, I'm really the one being oppressed. I'm really the one being persecuted. I'm really the one that's losing my rights. I'm really the one that's facing severe enemies and, and my problems are so much worse than your problems. Really Christian empathy, I think, should turn that scenario on its head where we look at other people with great sympathy and where when we really do feel like we are being oppressed, when we really do feel like we're being persecuted, when we really do feel like our enemies are doing all kinds of harmful things to us or to our culture or to our world, we have to listen to Jesus. What does Jesus say that we should do? If we really are being oppressed, if we really are being harmed by someone, what do we do? Love them, pray for them, do good to them. And notice he says that when you do this, you're being like your father in heaven who sends the rain on the just and the unjust. I think sometimes we have this fear, don't we? We have this fear that if I do good to unjust people, then I'm supporting their injustice. If I do good to unjust evil people, if I do something good for an evil person, then I'm somehow supporting their evil. But Jesus denies that. Jesus says, God sends rain on unjust people. God does good things for unjust people. Does that mean he approves of their evil? Of course not. In fact, the whole point of the gospel is the way you oppose evil, the way you fight against evil, the way you overcome evil is by doing good. This is the way we fight against evil. You look around at the world and you say, oh, I don't like what these people are doing or I don't like what those people are doing or these people are out to get me. Then you know what your job is? <laughs> Do good for them, love them, pray for them. When is the last time that we got down on our knees and we sincerely prayed that good things happen to the people we most fear? When is the last time that we really prayed that good things would happen to the people that are most unlike us, that are the people we most fear? That's what Jesus tells us to do. These are the politics of Jesus. You want to accomplish good in the world? Then give your allegiance to Jesus. Listen to Jesus, follow Jesus, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you, do good for them. Do good for them the same way that God does good for them. God gives them air to breathe. God gives them sun that shines on them. God gives them rain. God gives them food. You do the same. And by doing that, you oppose evil. You resist evil. You fight against and overcome evil by doing good. And then he says in verse 46, for if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? 
You therefore must be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. This whole series is about swimming in a different direction. Every time some current event unfolds in our culture, in our world, not just the things that have happened over the last few months or even this year, but in your lifetime, every time some big event unfolds, you have multiple factions that are clashing with one another. And Jesus calls us to swim in a totally different direction. Everybody loves the people that loves them. Everybody does good to people that, that, that do good to them. Jesus calls us to live completely different, where we love not only the people, quote unquote, on our side, but we love the people that oppose us. We love the people that persecute us. We love the people that are wrong. We love the people that are most unlike us. We do good for them. We pray for them. We help them. We do everything within our power to bless them. If we really want to accomplish good in the world, it's not about seeing who can be bigger and badder and stronger than the other side. It's about learning to truly follow Jesus. And as we engage in these cultural and political conversations, where we truly follow our King by loving, by praying for, by doing good for those who are wrong, <laughs> for those that oppose us, for those that even, even if we are being persecuted, even if we are being opposed, even if we are being hurt, even if the other people, whoever the other people are, even if their agenda really is as bad as we're afraid that it is, love them anyway, pray for them, do good for them. This is the way that we oppose evil in the world. And listen to what Jesus says. He says that we must be perfect as our heavenly father is perfect. We prove our heavenly citizenship by loving and praying for our enemies. We prove our heavenly citizenship. We prove our heavenly allegiance. We prove our heavenly relationship with our Father by loving and praying for our enemies. It's one thing to have a certain letter behind our name to show our political affiliation or to have a certain flag that we wave to show what nationality we are. But if we are going to identify as followers of Jesus, this is what it looks like. This is what it looks like. Jesus didn't say that they will know you are my disciples by your political affiliation. Jesus didn't say they'll know you're my disciples by your, your stance on all of these issues or by what you put post on Facebook or what you put online. Jesus didn't say they'll know you're my disciples even by how you vote. Jesus says they'll know you're my disciples by the love you have for one another. That's how we are differentiated from everyone else. Everyone else loves those who love them. Everyone else does good for those that do good to them. But this is one of the things that sets followers of Jesus apart. We love our enemies. And so that means if we engage in any sort of political conversation, if we engage in any sort of cultural conversation, we must do so with love, where we talk about the people who agree with us with love and in love, and we also talk about the people who disagree with us 
in love and kindness because our ultimate allegiance, our ultimate citizenship, our ultimate relationship is with heaven and not with any kingdom of earth. Yes, we, we do want to care about our neighbors. We want to care what happens to them. We want to care that they have justice, that they have food, that they have clothes, that they have a roof over their head. And so that does mean engaging in these conversations, but it means engaging in all of these conversations in love because our ultimate citizenship is in heaven. Our ultimate relationship is in heaven. Our ultimate allegiance is to the kingdom of heaven. And by loving our neighbor as ourself, by loving our enemy, we prove that our citizenship is in heaven. That's the way we swim against the currents.